Welcome to Polycast. I'm your host, Davey Drones, and on this show, I explore the lives of Cal Poly students, faculty, and alumni who share their stories and experiences. My guest today is Jason Reynolds, CEO and founder of Jinxbot 3D Printing. He shares his incredible story of starting from, you know, one 3D printer and slowly accumulating more and more to now over 20 3D printers running right out of his garage. An incredible story, but unfortunately the beginning of the audio from the podcast got cut out, so I apologize for that. But still, he shares some of the different clients he's been working with and really some exotic parts that he's printed before. So please welcome my guest, Jason Reynolds, here on Polycast. Now, you're talking about all these different things that you're making, and what were some of the first examples? I, I've had a few, a bit of experience 3D printing, little GoPro mounts for my drones, and you know, my friends, they make all these different like wild ideas, but what are some of the applicable, applicable uses of it? Sure, absolutely. So, um, one of the first things that I ever printed for a customer, like an official customer, um, was a uh, this weird little model that he found on Thingiverse uh, of Cthulhu, and it was like this intricate little thing. And I'm like, hmm, I hope I can print that. But uh, it was on 3D Hubs. I accepted it, and um, that was the first time I actually got paid for uh, a 3D print. Um, so it was just this little figurine. So someone wanted a present for their friend. They couldn't find this particular model anywhere. So they went to a local 3D printer, which is a really great way to do it. Yeah. Um, and then eventually I started getting into um, medical applications. Um, I worked with uh, this doctor who was trying to come up with another way to uh, stabilize bones. If you were to break like your leg or something they put bone pins in and realign them and then they need those bone pins to stay in place and I came up with a clamping system to keep those bone pins in place to a high degree of accuracy um, and he even wrote a, a medical paper about it so uh, I okay, printed wait, hold on. I'm gonna stop you there oh, like with no <laughs> medical you, you just how, how did you even come up with that like I, two clamps, you I just thought he, it was a conversation with a doctor. We talked about what was available and what he his idea kind of was, and we developed this system out of it, and it turned into this this thing. So he's only practiced on uh, cadavers, but I think that's how the procedure goes: is you need to practice on several stages. Um, but he, yeah, he's written a, a white paper on it, so it's it's fun to be a part of some sort of progression like that. Apparently, the way you set a broken bone hasn't changed in the last hundred years or so. So it was fun to see development there. Wow, totally. That's incredible, man. Yeah, I, I've printed for Stanford. I'm up here in Mountain View. So Stanford uh, is just a stone's throw away. They contacted me. I get a lot from them, but um, one of the weird ones was uh, they wanted me to print a, a, a larynx or a larynx. I forget how to pronounce it, but um, essentially they wanted to practice on how to do a tracheotomy. So they needed a model. Wow. <laughs> So they have to print out six of these things and then ship them off. So uh, you never know. Um, I've printed uh, prosthetic limbs, uh, a few different models. Uh, I even had a dad who lived in Santa Cruz reach out to me. Um, he saw this video online of this similar thing, but he couldn't find the model for it. 
Um, and it looks simple enough. So uh, he sent me the video. I tried to recreate it from that video, but essentially his daughter uh, around three, how adorable is that? But she um, was born without the lower part of her arm. So she wanted to ride her tricycle around. So I developed a little thing that clamps onto the handlebars. And it was essentially like a faux forearm where she could plug into and and kind of steer her tricycle around. Wow. So, so cool. Yeah. So that's that's when it really goes from like a way to make money to like a way to change people's lives. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I had one lady um, uh, call me up and started breaking down in tears because she um, was looking for a prosthetic limb that was like within her budget and she couldn't find any. And she called me up. I've heard of 3D printing. Is this even possible? And I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. If you just have a model. And by the way, you don't even have to come up with a model. There's tons that are on, say, Thingiverse or GrabCat or any number of the online uh, 3D file repositories that are out there. And there's a lot and growing. And I, I showed her a couple links and it just said, here's one, here's one. Or I can scale it to whatever custom size that you want. You just let me know what you need. And she was blown away. So there's there's a lot of those kinds of stories. Yeah, that's you know that's I think a lot of people don't even really whole, think of that whole side of it, you know. And it's pretty amazing, you know, how it keeps advancing. But yeah, the whole prosthetics, I mean, that's huge. Yeah, the whole industry is getting more precise, uh, wider materials, and cheaper. And that's a good way for that to go. I mean, no longer the days where you need to you know, come up with, you know, uh, seed money in order to get your idea off the ground. You just need, you know, a local guy who's willing to print some stuff out for you and help make your dream come true. Definitely. And so for you getting it up off the ground, was it, did you always have in mind that, wow, this could be big, you know, this is the new trend, I want to scale it like crazy? Or was it just one client after the other is kind of turned into what it is now? Yeah, I've always kind of, you know, had... Uh, grandiose uh, or uh, delusions of grandeur but um, really came from um, me kind of just doing some basic math about it where I was like okay well if I have one machine and I'm able to sell a print that's about this size for this much I would need to sell this many and this many and this many so um Eventually, it was just a scaling thing, and then when uh, I earned enough to um, to buy my second printer, um, then I was like, okay, well, now I can just double that because I have twice the capacity. And so it wasn't necessarily a true doubling like that. Um, I actually now have um, ten or eleven MakerBot fifth gens, um, two Creality CRS ten Pros and three form twos and some other little ones that I kind of just have as, as hobbies, but those are kind of my main machines. Um, all started off of the profits of one printer. So I'm, I'm bootstrapping all the way. Um, and you know, I'm maintaining ownership of the company. Um, as I was growing, I think one of the, the biggest challenges was, um, actually not listening to other people. Um, and the, the more specifically I was, um, Everybody was always saying, oh, well, you need to do this, or hey, why don't you come up with a product and then use your printers to print it and then sell that product? 
And, you know, I was always kind of of the opinion where it's the people who sold the pickaxes that made the money during the gold rush, not necessarily the people digging for gold. So I, I didn't want to, to sell the things. I wanted to, I wanted to make the things. That's always been my, my thing. I, I'm, a, I'm a maker at heart. I love making everything. I mean, you see half the stuff I made around the house. Um, so it was, it was always kind of my, my dream to be the maker of the things. So I, um, you know, I get people that I would print for offer me like a position or, Hey, we want to do this with you or, Hey, can you work out some, some other thing here? And it would ultimately never work out. Um, I think I did three or four like partnership type deals before I realized I'm going to have to go my own separate way. I've have my own thing. It's working well. I have new customers coming in all the time. I don't necessarily need to do that. I kind of just want to do my own thing. And that has just been the thing that I've been waiting for my entire life. I mean, this job is a dream come true. So, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't be happier. Wow, that's so great to hear. Now, you <laughs> mentioned you have like four or five different printers, different styles. So what really sure. sets them apart? Is it, you know, how big they are, you know, what materials they're using, the price sure. points? Uh, a lot of those things. Um, my MakerBot 5th Gens, the 5th Gens what I started with. Um, I just bought one of them. I bought it on Craigslist. Um, uh, I think I got it for like two grand back when they were still pretty expensive, which I was really happy with because they retailed for like 3500 So I figured that I got a pretty good deal out of it. Um, and then I earned enough with that one. I kept on looking on Craigslist. Um, I set up an alert, and I actually found a bunch of 3D printers, especially as new models came out and those models were kind of going away. I worked really well with a 5th gen for a very long time, so I just thought, decided to pick up as many as I could. I bought in a few 5th gens, brand new in the box, for like 400 bucks. So it really just depends on how patient you are, how willing you are to look. Um, you know, the alerts certainly helped with uh, the Craigslist. Uh, and that's uh, the fifth gen is an FDM machine, so that's fused deposition modeling. Uh, it's really common 3D printing. If you just type in 3D printing um, and do like an image search, that's what you would inevitably see is, is a bunch of FDM prints. Um, it's currently the least expensive type of printing, and um, there's a lot of different manufacturers for it, and the material's pretty inexpensive too. Um, then uh, I got my Formlabs machines. That's when things kind of kicked it in a high gear, because the uh, Formlabs is an SLA printer, a stereolithography, and that uses a photopolymer resin and a laser. Essentially, it's, it's harkening back to Chuck Hull's kind of original machines. And um, whereas an FDM machine has a uh, kind of a max of um, 100 micron resolution, and usually a print at 200 microns, uh, the Formlabs has up to 25 micron resolution. So uh, 100 microns is um, a tenth of a millimeter. So 25 microns is a quarter of that, and you're talking like just about the thickness of a human hair. So the resolution on these machines is unbelievable. Uh, so um, of course, with the higher resolution and the higher cost of the resin comes kind of a higher price point. So I was able to make some pretty uh, decent money. I bought you know my first form labs, and then I bought a second one, and then I. I just, with the demand that I was having, I needed a third one. So I bought three, 
really happy with that. And then um, with the FDM, I kept on having to either give to other buddies or um, pass up uh, larger print volumes. And that's when I got the Creality's, because the Creality uh, has a much bigger print volume than the MakerBot FizGens, what I use. Um, and to be honest, uh, the technologies come out these days where the Creality, and it was only 600 bucks for the Pro, um, was putting out better quality than my MakerBot 5th Gens. So my MakerBot 5th Gens are still my workhorses, especially because I have so many of them. Um, so if you need a lot, that's probably what they're going to be printed on. But if you need one or two things and they're big, that's definitely what they're printing. Uh, I had to use it for... Um, I, my One of my recent clients had uh, an idea. It was some... I don't think they were ROTC, but it was another military program. But they wanted me to scan their heads and put them on Mount Rushmore. So it was this dude and his uh, seven buddies or six buddies. And so I just, I scanned all their heads with a, a pretty basic Xbox Connect uh, uh, and a program called K-Scan. So if you have an old one, you have a 3D scanner in your home. In your home. Uh, so I scanned their heads and I used Mesh Mixer to put their heads on a Mount Rushmore bottle, and then I printed them out, and they're about this big, and they're hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's wild. So all these different clients you're getting, what, you know, I guess it's a huge range of clients, you know. Can you share huge a bit about that? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So uh, I'll get people, uh, anywhere from hobbyists to uh, large companies, and everybody in between. Um, I've printed for elementary school students. Uh, I've printed for high school students. Um, and, you know, they have either some project that they're working on in their STEM class and they need, like, a copy of it. So I try to throw them a discount. Uh, a lot of um, small startups, um, maybe they need, like, a box for their Arduino or their Raspberry Pi and they just need some sort of enclosure for it. So I print a lot of enclosures. Um, I printed for, it was a Buddhist temple up in Santa Cruz that they needed this, uh, I guess what's called a stupa, but it's this kind of uh, smallish, kind of biggish, um, just like a little statuette circular thing. I don't know, but I they wanted, they had me scan a small one and then print out an even smaller one and print one that was about 12 inches tall. So... Uh, Medical students, um, I mean, honestly, you name it, I've printed for them. Uh, I've printed for Facebook, Tesla, Google. Printed for Tesla was a lot of fun. Um, I didn't know what I printed, but uh, I, I was printed <laughs> for them. Uh -huh. um, and, I mean, like I said, you name it, I've printed for them. Uh, I'm on Apple's uh, preferred vendor list, which took uh, a lot of patience but they had a lot of paperwork for to sign and go through, but eventually I'm on their system now, so I get orders from all over the bay. Wow. And did you just all of a sudden just accumulate this brand for yourself and it kind of built that way, or what, what got you to this point? Sure. So um, Jinxpot, the name, uh, I was born on Friday the 13th, so Jinx has always been kind of a fun thing uh, for me. And um, when I got my first MakerBot, you could name it, quote unquote, right? 
So I saw uh, MakerBot and then Jinx, so I just kind of threw the two together for some portmanteau. And that's how JinxBot came about. And then, um, you know, then I, I needed a website, so I kind of developed a logo around that and really kind of the business kind of just built itself out of necessity. So it's like, oh, well, I need somebody to uh, um, be able to put an order online. So I just had to make a website. So I threw together a website really quickly. Uh, and then I'm like, oh, well, I need auto quoting. So I found a widget and threw that on there. And, oh, well, I need, uh, you know, a logo. So um, I actually had this artist, um, Willie Watt. Uh, he's uh, the owner of um, Night Owl Inc., a really cool t-shirt company. Um, a lot of really neat artwork. So if you go on my website now, that little robot is uh, the Jinx bot. So I worked with him and developed um, an, a, like an official little logo and, and wording and all that. So that's the Jinx bot now. Very cool. So what does the future of JinxBot look like? I mean, you I understand your garage is just filled with your 3D printers, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a shame I, I, uh, the camera downstairs wasn't working because then I could have uh, panned it around. But, um, yeah, I've got wall-to-wall -wall printers. So really, the more the merrier. Um, we have a, a baby uh, coming down the way. So oh, uh, our due date's um, July 7th, approximately. So um, I love being able to work at home. So that's always been a really um, big uh, passion of mine. Uh, no commute is amazing. I can just go downstairs and go in my garage, and there I am. Um, and being able to work from home, especially with the baby coming. But I think I think I would like to eventually start hiring some help because it's starting to get – it's just me so far. But it's starting to get pretty tight. I've, I've been able to grow it quite a bit with just myself. Um, you know, because obviously once the printers are starting – there's no real interaction that I have with them, so they're they're just kind of going. Um, I need to make sure they start well, but once they start, you know, that's really all it is. Um, but I'd like some help. Uh, I would love maybe like an actual storefront. Right now, I, I uh, work out of my garage, and I either mail uh, the parts or I meet them at the corner, and I just I deliver their parts. And you know, people get a kick out of it. They're like, oh, you know, Silicon Valley business starting into the garage and. So everybody's, you know, pretty pretty cool about it. Um, but I'd like a, a storefront. I'd like um, to eventually not have to work anymore. So hire enough people to run the business for me and, and just collect my check in Tahiti one of these days. There you go. There you go. Well, you're making it happen. <laughs> I mean, already living the dream practically. So what right. advice do you have for students that might have this idea or some, whether it's a company they're working on that might be kind of similar where you know they have their little niche and just how to get that ball rolling uh, honestly um i'm gonna borrow a phrase from nike it's like just do it man just just straight up just start doing it because there's never going to be the perfect time you can wait and you might miss the perfect time or you could hit it too early and but honestly, if you just continually are working on it and then you get a small user base, that small user base eventually grows. Um, honestly, I don't really know how Jamespot has grown so much. Um, I think I just have uh, a pretty niche business. Um, if you type in Jamespot uh, or 3D Printing Bay Area, I come, I'm like one of the first results. Um, I think just owning it and um, I just working with those small clients, getting that word of mouth and saying, hey, you know this guy does 
free printing. It's and he does really good work. They will tend to go with that person other than their search. So word of mouth is still one of the most powerful uh, marketing things that you can take advantage of. So um, that was a lot of, of my successes. Um, you know, someone would print with me for a while, and then they'd leave that company and go to a new company, but they'd still print with me because they, they knew me and they knew I did good work. So then, you know, obviously I have then like a built-in customer base. So then that word of mouth spreads, that word of mouth spreads, and all of a sudden now I'm getting calls randomly from a bunch of different people, and <laughs> I need to start tracking where they're coming from. Some are coming from like Google, some are coming from um, like Yelp, oddly enough. Uh, but wherever it is you can put yourself out to test, that's the best way. Awesome. It's just to start doing it. Definitely, and yeah, that's, that's all it is. Just Just do it. Well, this has been incredible. I mean, I just love hearing all about this 3D printing, and it's still on the rise. So I wish you the best of luck with all this. Thank you so much. I loved hearing this, and I really appreciate your time. Yeah, not at all. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and hearing from Jason and his story of the Jinxbot 3D printing and all the cool things he's involved with and how he's really taking this fun little hobby to make it his full-time job. So be sure to check out my website, davidkozik.com, where you can see the show notes from this episode, as well as find all the other Polycast episodes, which can also be found on any of the podcast platforms. Thanks again for listening. I'm your host, Davey Drones, and you've been listening to Polycast.